Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and its local missions fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. Go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn more about both ministries and to gain access to archives of this radio program and an archive of full-length sermons as well. I'm glad you've joined us today. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and as we go into our study, we ask the Spirit of God to open hearts to His truth, and we go to 2 Kings chapter 2. Elisha must take up the ministry of Elijah and cross into the place of impactful service. How is that to be done by Elisha? How is that to be done by us? Well, we must see a man of human weakness excel in the power of the Spirit as Elisha did in Elijah. And we must want that same Spirit to work mightily in us. In fact, going back to James chapter 5, verse 16, it says there that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful when it's put into effect. That's kind of the words that you have in the Greek there. But the idea there of put into effect is The prayer of a righteous man is powerful when it's energized, when it's filled with energy. That's what it means to be put into effect or uh, availing. And the one who energizes it is not himself. It's not like the prayer of a righteous man getting himself stoked up, getting himself excited, and boy, if I can just get myself stoked up enough, we can do great things. No, it's not it. He's the passive one. His prayers are passive, and on this passive individual, something comes upon him to turn it into fire and put it into effect. And what is that? It's the Spirit of God. The prayer of a righteous man whose prayers are energized by the Spirit of God, where God is moving upon that individual and working through that individual and speaking through the individual. That man's prayers are effective and they produce things like praying and rain for uh, rain to stop and rain stops for three years and praying for rain to fall and rain falls back down upon the ground and That's how Elijah was able to do what Elijah did. He was a weak man of like passions like us, but his life was impassioned. It was inflamed by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit poured himself upon him and filled him, he was able to do great things, accomplishing great things to the glory and honor of God. And here's the point. Elisha watched Elijah's life. And he began to see that Elijah was just like him in terms of human capabilities and abilities and limitations. And he then realized that Elijah's influence and power rose from the power of the Spirit of God that rested upon him, filling him and enabling him to live to do God's will and to be a light of God's power in a dark place. Here's the second thing I think we need to see here. Elijah wanted and asked that that same spirit would be upon him. When Elijah had crossed over the Jordan River, he turned to Elisha and asked to ask what I can do for you. And Elisha asked that he might receive a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. Now, here's what you need to understand here, just for a moment. Elisha is not saying, give me twice as much power as you have. That's not what he's saying. Yeah, you, got, you got the spirit on you, I want twice as much of the spirit as you have. That is not what Elisha is saying. In that day and age, when a father died, his children inherited what the father had. And the oldest son was the one that was responsible to really carry on the name of that father. And the oldest son got a double portion of the inheritance that all the other sons received. And what Elisha is asking for is, I don't want twice as much as what you have. He's saying, I want twice as much as you give to all your other sons. I want the chief inheritance. Now, it was right because 
He had been called upon to be the one to carry Elijah's mantle. He had been called upon to be the one to go on and carry on the leadership and the spiritual leadership in that place before the sons of the prophet. And he says, listen, I know God is going to parse out and God is going to give the spirit that was on you upon all these other men that you've led and taught, but I want a double measure of it. I want the spirit that was resting on you. Think of that in terms of inheritance. Son says, Dad, give me your inheritance. You know, adds up what it is you're going to get when your parents pass away. You think what your inheritance is going to be. And you add up what are material possessions and riches and what they've acquired in life. And you think, all right, well, I'm going to get that much of it. And this is how much I think I might be able to get. And you add it all up. And what made Elijah rich? What did Elijah possess? A mantle. Not very much. A really humble mantle. What was he rich with? What was he rich with? The Spirit. <laughs> he was rich in the Spirit. That was his riches and his wealth. And that's what Elisha wanted. I want what makes you rich. I want the Spirit that you have resting on me. That's what he desired. I want to be able to carry out the work that you've carried out, and I know that without that Spirit, I'm just going to be, I'm just a man like you, with all the same weaknesses and all the same flesh and all the same points of lack. I need the spirit that's resting upon you. And by the way, the reason Elijah said that's a difficult thing to answer was because it wasn't Elijah's to give. It was God's to give. It was God's spirit that really Elisha was asking for. Not Elijah's spirit, but God's. Elijah says, that's difficult to ask. If you see me go up, then you'll know that God is pleased with your request and God is going to give you what you've asked for. And While the moment comes when Elijah is lifted up in a tornado cloud in the chariot before Elisha's eyes, and as Elijah goes away, his mantle falls from his shoulders and lands at Elisha's feet. And Elisha picks up that mantle and the work now, the call to live in the land of promise as a witness to the will and life of God has fallen to Elisha. Elisha picks up the mantle, he takes up the charge and the ministry that's been given to him, and he makes his way to the Jordan. He claims at that moment the promise. He saw it, that's exactly what Elijah said. If you see me go up, you're going to get that spirit upon you. He takes that mantle and he claims for himself, not just the mantle, but the promise of the spirit to enable him to carry out this work and then he goes to the river Jordan. Here's the third thing. Elijah took up the mantle, followed after Elijah's work with a cry of faith. He came to the edge of that Jordan River and he entered into the work that Elijah was doing with a cry of faith. It was time for him to cross over the Jordan River and begin his life and service and dedication to God as the, the spiritual leader of these prophets that have been raised up, as a voice speaking in the land that was under siege by disorder and rebellion and godlessness and to declare before and live before that land the life of peace and surrender and truth and obedience that the ambassador or the prophet of the living God was called to live out before the people of Israel. And Elisha now has to cross the Jordan to that work and so he takes the mantle out of his hand and he calls upon God and he strikes the water of the river before him and he asks not for Elijah. Elijah, come help me. That's not what he says. He says, where is the God of Elijah? Where is the Lord of Elijah? I need that same God and that same Lord working in my life. 
God, I'm going over to serve you, and I need you now more than ever before. The water parts. Elijah moves over to carry on the work of Elijah that Elijah begun, and to carry it on by the power of the Holy Spirit that now was in work within him. The Jewish people, by the way, thought that Elijah was the greatest of all the prophets next to or alongside of Moses. Uh, the prophet Malachi had actually prophesied, the last great prophet in Israel before John the Baptist had prophesied that one day Elijah would come back just before the arrival of the Messiah. And he would declare the approach of the Messiah. It's found in Malachi chapter 4 verse 5. There the prophet says, Behold, I send to you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Jesus actually doesn't deny that Elijah is going to return at one point in time in history to introduce the return of the Messiah. But Jesus also indicated that John the Baptist had already come in the spirit and manner of Elijah to announce his coming. This is what Jesus says in Matthew. Take your Bibles for a moment. Go to Matthew chapter 11. And we're making a little transition from what I've just shared with you. Verses 13, 14, and 15. Jesus says this, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He's speaking of John the Baptist here. He who has an ear, let him hear. Basically what Jesus is saying is all your prophets announced the coming of the Messiah up to John, but John has fulfilled the spirit and ministry of Elijah announcing the Messiah's coming. You who have an ear, let him hear. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I'm the one the prophets have been announcing. I'm the one that the scriptures have been announcing, and I've come. And, and then Jesus gives honor to Elijah. He, he gives honor not only to Elijah, but he gives honor beyond Elijah to John the Baptist. He actually says that John the Baptist is the greatest of all the prophets. In verse 11 of Matthew 11, it says, Among those born of women, there has not arisen one greater than John the Baptist. Why? All the different prophets were prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. All of them were, and the scriptures were prophesying. It's been happening all this time up to now. And if you'll understand what I'm saying, John has come in the spirit of Elijah. This is Elijah coming, and he's greater than all the prophets. Why? All of them were moving and speaking throughout the chronological passage of time, proclaiming the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming, and this is what he's going to be like. And then John the Baptist gets to be the one that points at him and says, There he is! There he is! Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world! The greatest of all the prophets because he was the last one to introduce him before he manifested himself to all the people on the earth. Pretty wonderful. Now, you got to get this in your mind. You got to get this in your mind, in your spirit, and it's got to strike your heart, and you got to believe it. And when you believe it, it should cause you to exalt, but it also should fill you with a tremendous sense of responsibility and fear. Jesus says, Those who I rule and reign within their lives and hearts, they have the kingdom of heaven within them. Listen to this. He says, But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, John the Baptist. You know what that means? You. Greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because you don't point and say, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There he is out from me, just out beyond me, right there. Look! The Lamb of God. As you point to your own heart and your life, 
Christ abiding and living within me. We are the body of Christ. We are the presence. We are the living presence of Jesus Christ on this earth. We walk and move about expressing from within us the reign of the King of kings and Lord of lords. What's greater than that? And that's our mission. Now, what if John had not fulfilled his mission? What if he had run from the great calling and privilege and honor that was his? What if he refused to go to the Jordan? What if he decided, you know, I don't really want to wear a mantle like that. I'd rather dress like everybody else. What an opportunity missed. What a profound thought. What a profound thought. No matter how insignificant you may think you are in the annals of human history or the history of the Christian faith, Jesus says, you are greater than John the Baptist who was the greatest of all the prophets up to that point in time. Greater than Elijah. Greater than him. John came before Jesus, but Jesus has come into your life and he lives in you to make himself known to the world. A world that's without him, but a world that you can shine in and shine out from your life, the life of his holiness and his peace and his goodness and his grace and his forgiveness. And you're to cross over into the land and you're to live speaking the will of God and God's love and God's way and God's salvation. And you're to live it out and you're to speak it out. And that's exactly where you are. You're at the edge of the river. And the call is upon you. Thank you for joining with us today at the Bread of Life. You can follow the links for copies of this broadcast at breadoflifeboise.org. You may also learn about the work of Church Partnership Evangelism and its missionaries at traincpe.org. Your prayers and support are a blessing to this work. Until the next time, God bless you.